You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I'm a credentialed media member covering the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation, as well as Dime Magazine. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can keep up with the entire NBA Finals action. We have a game five coming up on Saturday night in the Valley. Joining me to talk about what that might look like to round your week out is David Nash. He is the author of the Four Point Play newsletter, the former host of the Sun Seven Seconds or Less podcast. And David, the most shouted out on ESPN of all of Sun's Twitter during this playoff run. Um, how are you today, sir? <laughs> I'm doing good, Brian. It's always good to chat with you. Uh, we have ourselves a series, as you said, game five coming up, locked at two all. Uh, the Suns have that invaluable home court right now. And uh, as a fan sitting back, uh, as we were discussing just before we hit record, feeling a little bit sorry for ourselves right now. I'm, I'm hoping that that home court is still going to be the thing that that helps get us over the line here. We are going to talk about what things might flip at home Um Going to also talk about Mikhail Bridges and the weirdness going on with him on both ends of the floor and what happened, what could continue to happen as far as the minute situation there, closing games. We saw Cam Johnson do that in game four. Will that continue? But let's start here is uh, I want to look at game two with you, actually, David, because in that game, you had Devin Booker go for 31, including seven made threes. You had Chris Paul with 23 and 8. The Suns obviously win that game. All their the wings are making threes, including Tory Craig, even. Um, and all <laughs> that happens despite Giannis scoring 41. Um, and and also another part of that is that Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, these guys look pretty helpless defensively. A lot of things have changed since then, but it also feels like we could get a game that looks similar to that in game five. How likely do you think it is that we do get sort of a repeat of game two here back in the Valley in game five? Well, it would go uh, an extra long way to the Suns being able to take the three, two lead in the series. I think if I look at that game two specifically, uh, the Suns shot 17 corner threes and made 10 of them in that game. Uh, if you look at games one, three and four combined, they were, four of let's see how good my quick math here is 11 four of 11 total in those three games from the corners versus uh, 10 of 17 in game two itself so if you want to talk about one thing in particular on offense that the Suns need to try and generate more of I know Monty even made mention of it in his game four post-game presser as well Uh, they need to get back to, to working out ways to shoot uh, those corner threes. And I think it's a, a defensive adjustment that the Bucks have made after that game too. Uh, and the Suns have kind of played into their hands a little bit here in the last two games in Milwaukee, uh, just kind of giving the Bucks what they want or, or taking what the Bucks want to give them is probably the better way to put it. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of things to discuss here between, say, the first two games and, and the last two in Milwaukee. But uh, that's definitely one point that I wanted to bring up early on here because that's the Suns' 
bread and butter. Uh, I think in the regular season, they generated, you know, almost 10 looks from the corners. Uh, and in the playoffs, they were still sitting around 8.1 from the corners. So, you know, five in game one, four in game three, and, and two in game four is just not going to cut it, Brendan. It's funny because even hearing you talk about that, it's you get far enough into a series and everything starts to feel interconnected, right? It's like you're yeah. talking about that. And, you know, obviously a lot of that is Chris Paul, which we're not going to talk too much about just because I don't frankly know what else there is to say. You know, I talked about it after the game. He's clearly he wasn't right. I don't know if it's physical. I'm not going to sit here and guess, but that is yep. the player who generates those corner threes. And then we're going to talk about Mikhail later. He's the guy who makes a lot of them. Right. So it's like yep. it's it's very um, it, it is all connected. But I think that's a good point. I, I, I really expected what we saw in the regular season was that Chris especially was really comfortable and aggressive hitting those quick passes to the corner the minute that the Bucks defense rotated. And I think obviously some of that is the difference between the regular season and the finals in terms of intensity. A few inches go away when guys are playing as hard as they possibly can. But I do think that there is some some of what you said in it as well of, you know, the Suns accepting that maybe a little bit too much. Um, so like you said, on the road, the big difference in the first two games, you got basically good games from Booker and Paul, you know, to varying degrees. And then on the road, yeah. you got one Paul game and one Booker game, but neither played well on the same night. And Mikhail was not great offensively in either game. Ayton's offense came and went. So what else are some, what are the other big keys you see? The Suns scored 118 in that game too. Um, what do you mm-hmm. think needs to happen for them to get closer to a, a number like that as opposed to the 103 that they had in Game Four? Yeah, I mean we can start obviously with Booker and Paul and and you know what I call the head of the snake there. And uh, unfortunately, they you know both could have had duds in one game and we would have accepted it if they both just turned up at the same time in another and we were able to to go back to Phoenix with a 3-1 lead here. As you said, unfortunately, one had a great game uh, in game three and the other in game four. uh, And that's just not going to cut it at the moment. And you mentioned Mikhail, DeAndre Ayton, um, you know, the other role players around them. You know, anyone listening who's watched the Suns all season, we know that everything starts with that backcourt and those guys getting going. You know, DeAndre Ayton even plays a pretty limited offensive role as much as we want to nitpick at the moment that maybe he's a little bit down in the last couple. You know, I see Mikael Bridges is getting a lot of criticism online amongst Suns fans as well. But these are guys who haven't been asked to step up in these situations very often. Everything that is generated for them in this offense comes out of Devin Booker and Chris Paul playing so well at, at the head of the snake and, and the defense having to overcompensate. And that's when guy, you know, Mikhail will get his corner threes that he's been taking all season and making a fair share of them. DeAndre Ayton will get his lobs over the top. So, you know, I think, you know, first and foremost, we need to to really hope and have faith in the fact that we'll get back home and, and Booker and Paul will get it going together uh, back home in the same game. And I think that everything will kind of start to form from there. If they can't get it going, that's when, yeah, we're going to need Monty to have some plan Bs because we're getting really into that territory now where if they drop game five, have to go back back to Milwaukee for game six, it, it could be curtains before they even come up with, with a plan B. So we definitely need Monty to have it, but I'm very much in the camp of uh, believing in what these guys have done all season 
uh, any little trough that they've had, they've managed to to dig themselves out of it fairly quickly and come back, particularly at home, uh, and bounce back uh, to to be the team that we have kind of learnt for them to be uh, all season long. So I still yeah. have faith, uh, and I still have a lot of faith, I guess, in the way that they won the first two games, uh, and particularly the way they lost. Uh, the last two, I know we're going to get into that a little bit, just in kind of the things that Phoenix can clean up here. And uh, where I'm kind of feeling optimistic is, is everything is very much within the sun's control right now. I'm not feeling like they've been, you know, worked out or uh, you know, that Milwaukee has solved the puzzle and we've just got no answers. It, it, it's pretty easy stuff to clean up here. I think. Yeah. I had someone put it to me this way after the game uh, talking to them today. And it was like both teams path to victory is pretty blatantly obvious at this point right and yep, yep. we we've we've now seen two examples of what each of those can look like and i think the biggest because look i agree like i i understand suns fans today especially having two more days of this work week and everything else before the game it's <laughs> like it's pretty crappy and and it it doesn't feel good to see your your star player do what he did and not win that game. That sucks. But look, the Bucks had that happen in game two, right? It happens in the NBA finals. And I think that th- those paths to victory are so obvious. And the, the good thing is the Suns were closer in the games that they lost than the Bucks were, in my opinion. So I think you have to feel pretty good about that. And I think just talking about the stars, one thing that I think has gotten you know, maybe overlooked a little bit and it's a little bit in the weeds, but I don't think it's it's too much judging from how campaign played in the past. But him not being what he was in the first few rounds has been really big because we talk so often about, you know, you got to get to the basket. You need to create easy offense for yourself. They should run more. Well, who does all of those things? It's campaign. And I yeah. think not having him, it's it's Again, everything revolves around those stars, and you're totally right to say that, but he has been such a perfect change of pace and compliment to those guys that not having that, because he was the one guy, Mikhail and Aiton, you're right, they don't do that, but Payne in the past has been reliable in terms of a guy who you can trust to go, go get us a bucket, right? And so I think not having that, it really, really puts more pressure on Booker and Paul to be those creators for basically every single possession of every single game and it hasn't gone the sun's way because they didn't get both of them firing they'll need that to happen in game five we'll talk about some of maybe more of those adjustments tinkers that can happen right after this we'll get to mikhail bridges and maybe how long you wait before you start having the cam johnson conversation as a starter i'm not there i don't necessarily think we'll get there but it's worth starting to think about we'll do that right after a quick break first though a word from betonline.ag betonline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports across the entire world you can hit on fights ufc mma you can start to get in on your olympic stuff Djokovic is going to play osaka is going to play we're starting to get what this will look like as bizarre as it is going to be of course mlb and nba every single night so before the next tip-off, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the news, bonuses, and contest info that they have and get in on the action as teams prep for their runs to the title. The way you're going to get our bonus is by going to betonline.ag on the web or on their mobile device. Again, they have a mobile app. 
Use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, David. So let's talk about Mikhail Bridges. Um, yep. Four games here in this series 14 points, 27 points, four points, seven points. So. The obvious outlier being game two there, because even with 14 in game one, not very efficient. He has only four three-pointers attempted total in the past two games. And like you said, he's not a creator, but I think when he's able to get going, when they're generating shots for him, when he has his confidence, that's a pretty good sign that they're at their best. So what do you think needs to happen to generate more of those shots for Mikhail? And a kind of sub-question within that is, do you think that responsibility for that is more of a scheme slash Paul and book thing or more on Mikhail to be aggressive? Where do you lie on that sort of spectrum there? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think if you look at the the sun's bread and butter on offense, you know, everything pretty much almost all the actions revolve around Paul Booker and Aiton. So I think first and foremost, they need to get the Paul and Aiton pick and roll established early on in game five. I think uh, Giannis playing more of the five really interrupted things early, but as we know, the Bucks are at least starting Brook Lopez at center uh, to begin with, and his minutes are kind of declining as the game goes on. So early on, they need to get Aiton involved. Paul needs to be taking a couple of those early mid-range jumpers and, and hopefully making them. He's just falling short on pretty much absolutely everything right now, but we need him taking those shots, and we need to get the ball to DeAndre Ayton over the back. Uh, he's been a little bit passive in the last two games as well. Uh, free throws down from four and a half in the first two games to, to one per game in the last two. Uh, his O boards are, have been cut in half in the last two games as well. Uh, and he's scoring four less points per game too, not from a, a great starting point, but you know, down at 12 points per game in the last two games just isn't good enough. So if they can get those two guys established early, I think that corner opens up for Mikhail on the weak side because his man has to start sagging down a little bit to try and get to DeAndre Ayton on the lob. So little things will open up there. But then where it really falls on him is if they're just going to stay glued to him in the corner, he needs to be doing more. You know, he's one of the best cutters in the league. He needs to be uh, finding his man... um, sleeping I guess trying to sit on him in the corner and try and get him behind him Chris Paul will find him if he makes the the timely cut he needs to have more of those possessions where he flashes to the free throw line like we saw early in game four uh, either take the mid-range shot that he's very good at or find uh, DeAndre Ayton on kind of the high low action if they're fronting Ayton uh, in the paint there uh, and he needs to crash the glass. You know, we're seeing Milwaukee absolutely kill us at the moment on the glass, uh, particularly in the last game with 17 offensive rebounds to five. Again, Mikel needs to find ways to do all of those little things that we've seen him do th- through his first three years uh, on the Suns, where he seems to just get a hand in at the right spot or get a put back or get it, you know, on offensive rebound that he kicks back out to one of the guards for three. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a, it's a little bit of both. I think the Suns can be doing a better job at getting him the ball in, the, in his usual spots, you know, getting shots from the corners, uh, getting it out to him in transition and, and trying to get a couple of easy buckets that way. But Mikhail definitely needs to, to hold up his end of the bargain as well and, and start to just uh, get a little bit more active on offense and, and find other ways like we saw the Bucks role players do in games three and four uh, to impact the game. Yeah, I like all of that. And it it's 
somewhat to the point that Monty Williams made earlier. I think it was after that game, too, when McHale played so well. And, you know, it was Monty shouting out the rolling of Aiton, setting up the space that McHale is going to have. And the reality is, like, they are sending so many bodies at him on the glass, boxing him out. They're obviously devoting so much attention to Chris Paul and Devin Booker that there is space for McHale to operate. We talk about the mid-range space that Booker and Paul have and the way that they're able to create it, but the reality is that that shot's going to be there for McHale too. We all like to hope that he makes that shot and takes that shot more often, but it's for good reason because it's there for him, and I think it will be there for him if those different components can uh, can can react, like you said. Uh, let's switch over to the defense, though, because I think there's actually... We kind of can forget about McHale a little bit, I think, defensively and just assume that his job is is taken care of. And I think to an extent he's gotten in the way of, of Chris Middleton to the extent that he can. But I think yep. Middleton is one of those players that McHale's length doesn't necessarily deter him. There's There's not a lot of players that's true for, but I think Middleton is one of them. And Middleton shooting 10 of 17 when defended by Bridges in this series per NBA.com. Those are sometimes tricky stats, but I, I think they're pretty reliable. Just one turnover that Bridges has forced on Middleton. Giannis is yep. four of five when guarded by McHale, has also drawn two fouls. Um, and then just box score wise, McHale only has two total steals and two total blocks through four games. So not the guy that we think of him as he just has not been mm -hmm. quite as impactful there in terms of creating turnovers and, and stopping players from getting to their spots so how do you think the Suns can better use Mikhail's strengths to their advantage or just what do you think you know can kind of change I have one idea and I'm I'm not sure if I believe it yet but I'm curious what you think yeah I mean I don't think Mikhail's been bad in this series I think uh, the playoffs in general we have we have a pretty high opinion of Mikhail and he's you know had to guard you know, LeBron, uh, Paul George, and, and now Chris Middleton, <laughs> yeah. which is a, you know, welcome welcome to the NBA playoffs, Mikael Bridges. This is your role. And I think in, in one way, I think the Suns have been quite fortunate that we haven't had to play too many dynamic guards uh, in in the NBA playoffs so far. And it, it's definitely, I'm happy to put my hand up and say that I think that it's been an advantage of one reason why we've got to the NBA finals thus far. But the flip side of that is Mikhail hasn't really had a, you know, good primary uh, defensive matchup for him when you look at the starting fives and go, yep, Mikhail's going to guard that guy, uh, you know, to his strengths anyway, because I think he's still better against a smaller point of attack uh, creators rather than these big wings that he has had to guard in in LeBron James, Paul George, and, and Chris Middleton. As I said, I still think he's doing a pretty good job. If you if you look at Chris Middleton, uh, as you said, the you know, um, the defensive uh, matchup stats can be a little bit noisy sometimes. We see Mikhail guarding Chris pretty much every possession down. Chris is you know twenty four and a half points per game, which is definitely up on his twenty point four points. Uh, during the regular season and also up on his 23.6 for the entire playoffs, but he's 42.7% from the field, which is, you know, five percentage points less than his regular season stats. Uh, and most importantly as well, he's down to 2.8 free throw attempts a game versus, you know, during the regular season, it was three and a half. And during the playoffs so far, it's actually been close to four and a half for Chris Middleton. So, you know, I would argue that Mikhail has done, a pretty good job of making Chris 
make tough shots. You know, much like the way that the Bucs would have looked at Devin Booker's game last night. Yes, he scored 40 plus points, but he had to really work for those points and take some really tough mid-range shots. And I think that's what Mikhail's doing. He's basically giving Chris, uh, you know, the worst shot for Chris, uh, not at the rim and not from three. And he's just making a hell of a lot of them right now, particularly in that last game, which I think we you know, can be a little bit prisoners of the moment sometimes yeah. too and just look at the last game instead of maybe some of the, the inefficient games that Chris had in, in games one and two. So, you know, I would keep him on him personally because if you don't uh, or if you go to, you know, taking him out of the starting lineup, as you suggested just before, it becomes a, well, who the hell guards Chris Middleton and then who guards everyone else uh, at the moment. So yeah, uh, I'd be sticking fat with Mikhail at least for game five and and seeing if he can uh, disrupt him a little bit more. I think the one thing we would like to see him do, particularly with the way that this uh, series is being called, I think I've seen a few people uh, say this, you know, play him like the Bucs are playing Devin Booker with, you know, PJ Tucker and things like be prepared to knock him off his spots a little bit more, uh, be a little bit more physical with him. Even if you get a couple of fouls called on you, because uh, that's probably one thing that we can see Mikel do just to disrupt Chris a little bit more. So we saw, this is the one idea that I had. And I think just to answer on the starting lineup thing, I'm not there. I think obviously Cam Johnson's not, even with some of these, adjustments we might want to see defensively it's just obvious that cam johnson's not the defender that Michaela is so i think that's the main reason cam can finish games he playing basically equal minutes with Michaela a lot of nights anyway so i think you're right but one of the things we saw in game four for just a moment but it, it kind of piqued my interest which was that one of the moments when the bucks went small which was a lot of the game they had, obviously, Aiton defending Giannis, but they had Crowder on Middleton. And it made me think, maybe, could you have Bridges guard Lopez or Bobby Portis in those moments so that you can be more switchable? You can switch Bridges out onto Giannis or Holiday, whoever happens to be the one with the ball in their hands, or vice versa. And you're not really worried. I think there was a stack going around from Nikias Duncan that... Lopez has logged three post-ups in this entire series. The Bucs just have not looked for that. So you're not worried about that mismatch, and you can switch a little better, and Mikhail can be more of an off-ball defender and have you know maybe more success doing some of that, at least to start the game. Does that seem like it would solve anything, or is that just maybe complicated for no reason? Because I kind of think it might be that, too. <laughs> I don't mind the suggestion. I probably wouldn't start out with it, but I'd be prepared, you know, particularly in those scramble switch scenarios and stuff, I'd be prepared to, you know, allow Crowder to guard Chris uh, a little bit more. I, I like the suggestion for a few reasons. I actually think when um, Mikhail's been struggling in those matchups that we talked about, whether it's LeBron, uh, Paul George in the Clippers series, uh, and now Middleton, I actually think, you know, outside of that, little patch that Tory Craig had on Paul George. I, I've really liked Jay Crowder's defense on a lot of those bigger wings uh, and he's got a, a long history of doing it. So that's a tick for me. Uh, I think when you throw in, yeah, the lack of post-ups for, for uh, Brooke Lopez and I'm not scared of, of Bobby Portis uh, in the post at all. Mm -hmm. I actually, when I rewatched the, the Suns, 
um, Bucks games from during the season, Cam Johnson actually got switched on to Bobby Portis or was just playing straight up against him when the, the Suns were playing a small lineup. Uh, and Bobby tried to post him up a few times and, and couldn't get anything. You know, he missed like little baby hooks and, and just couldn't move Cam Johnson in the post. So not worried about that either. So that's a tick for me. Uh, and probably the final thing, and uh, I touched on it before, the Suns really struggled down the stretch with that Chris Middleton, Giannis pick and roll. Exactly. Uh, and yep. I I love Mikhail and DeAndre Ayton as a pick and roll duo, but there's just something about those two guys that made it really, really tough for them. And I think if you've got Crowder on Chris Middleton, uh, yeah, if you switch, you've got a bigger body on Giannis on that role. It's still not ideal. You'd be loving, you know, to keep DeAndre Ayton uh, a little bit more on Giannis where possible. But if Chris is hitting all of those mid-range shots that you're essentially daring him to take in that pick and roll, uh, having Crowder switch on to Giannis instead of Mikhail is definitely an advantageous matchup for the Suns uh, because uh, you you touched on the stats before. Anyone watching has been able to see it. If Giannis uh, gets Mikhail switched onto him, he he just sees food like he's just going straight through his chest. It's one of the the biggest weaknesses of Bridges' game still, I think. Yeah, something to have in their back pocket, I think, and especially if late in games or for different stretches, we see that two-man game working like it has the past two matchups, they probably should try to mix things up, and I think that's a way to do it. So uh, let's close the show out with some thoughts on just what being at home might do. Will the, will the, will the role players play better? Will the fouls go their way? Just some, some kind of tidbits on the margins there as we get you ready for Game 5 in Phoenix on Saturday night. First, though, folks, a quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, my favorite protein bar. And the best thing about them, in my opinion, besides that they're covered in chocolate, that they're easy to chew, that they're all delicious, is that they say they only have nine flavors, but they actually are constantly rotating them out. So right now, you have German chocolate, you have orange, you have cookies and cream, all of these different ones that just a couple weeks ago were not there. You also have my trusty double chocolate, my favorite the one you know I love. Built Bar, also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team, which if you're feeling particularly patriotic, maybe that's your thing. But each and every Built Bar is going to be packed with 17, 18 grams of protein, just four or five grams of sugar, getting you the protein that you need in a healthy package. Again, all of them are delicious. Try the double chocolate. Try one of the new ones. Enjoy it. You will. I know. The way you're going to do that is to go to built.com. That's built.com. Use the promo code locked on to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code locked on at checkout for 15% off at built.com. Okay, David. Um, so I think that Suns fans are probably feeling confident that coming back home will cure a lot. I think that's fair just with a 2-2 series and both teams winning their home games. Um, like we were talking about it with game two, we came out of the games in Phoenix feeling like Connaughton, Teague, Portis, Forbes, all these guys were relative liabilities. We saw the Suns shoot really well. Fouls were not really part of the conversation much after those two. And now the Bucks role players look a lot better. Foul trouble sort of been the story of the past two games in a lot of ways. And the Bucks have shot 20 more free throws than Phoenix in the past two games. So um, I have a quick question for you. First, I wanted to remind everybody that today on our Road to the Finals coverage, we are brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, my question is, do you think 
it's reasonable to expect all that. Do you think that just coming back home is enough to flip these things, or do you see parts of that that have just become fundamental issues for the Suns? I'm probably the latter, to be honest. Um, Sorry, I should say the former. I think everything right now is in the Suns' control, and that's why I'm very, very optimistic about their chances in Game 5. I think all of our reactions to Game 4 was very much, you know, we've seen through these playoffs, we haven't had too many stressful situations, and I think all Suns fans listening to this were probably hoping we'd be able to pinch Game 3 or 4 and and come back to Phoenix, uh, potentially win the whole series and and win our first title at home and and not have too much pressure on us. The pressure's really on right now. And if uh, you have another bad game uh, in Game 5, things aren't going to be looking too good uh, for the rest of the finals. But the reason I'm optimistic is for a few things and all of which I feel are very much within the Suns' control. First and foremost, we're 8-1 and one at home in these playoffs. So I don't think it's um, just having rose-coloured glasses to suggest that a lot of these problems might go out the window uh, if the Suns get back home and, and start feeling a little bit more themselves. And the Bucks the have next- been quite a bad road team as well. Just Yes, to exactly, exactly. The next thing, just looking at shots... So game one, both teams took 88 shots each. Game two, Suns 88 to the Bucks 93. Game three, Suns 83 to the Bucks 90. And in game four, Brendan, we lost by six points and gave the Bucks 19 extra shots in the game and all from offensive rebounds and turnovers, which we'll get to in just a second with some more stats. But you know, I'm hoping that we don't look back on game four as like the one that got away. And instead it's kind of the one that uh, taught us, uh, you know, how we needed to play for the rest of the series and, and win the finals. I'm definitely hoping that's the case. We saw Monty talk about it directly after game four in the locker room with the players. So they're clearly aware of it and everything they're going to be doing over practice in the next couple of days is to take out a couple of those things. And I think that's why I'm very confident that these next bunch of stats will trend back towards the Suns with a little bit more attention on in the first two games points off turnovers the Suns were plus 1.5 in that battle second chance points was completely neutral and fast break points was 3.5 to Milwaukee if you look at all the advanced stats the Bucks right now are very very good in transition and their offense is still quite frankly quite bad uh, in the half court. So if this gets back to being more of a half court game, more of a sun style game, more of a Chris Paul style game, I'm very confident that they'll be able to uh, wrestle this one back into their control and, and go up with a three point, a three to two lead. I should say the last two games, just to round that off points off turnovers, Milwaukee plus 13 second chance points, Milwaukee plus 15 and fast break points, Milwaukee plus 12 and a half. So you cut out those turnovers, you cut off, cut out the uh, offensive rebounds, get a little bit more back in the flow on offense. So the Bucks are taking the ball out of the net uh, every couple of possessions rather than getting out on you in transition. And I really think that the Suns have got this completely within their own control. Not to say that it's uh, a fait accompli and that it's going to happen and that the Suns have got this in the bag because they're going to have to work their asses off for it. But I think you know, a couple of those things versus the Suns we've seen all season, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest they're going to be able to protect the ball better uh, and try and do a little bit better of a job on the offensive glass, even if Milwaukee do have the the size and physical advantage there. 
I like all of that. I have those numbers actually here as well on the half-court offense. Their, their half-court offensive rating was 100 in Game 3 and 90 in Game 4. Both of those would be by far the worst offense in the NBA if it was a full-season, full-court yep. offense for a team. So they've been honestly bad. It's not even relative to being in the finals. That's that's just like outright bad. And so exactly, it's, to me, like you said, if, if, the, if the Suns can do what they've done all season they are a a a mistake free team when they're at their best that's what makes them good that's why they're able to play more mature than their age and it's again we're, we're back to a lot of these circular problems the reason that they haven't looked like that in especially game four is because chris paul was not himself he's turning the ball over that was he was a culprit of that just as much as anybody and they were not getting into their offense in quite the same way and then conversely you see a guy like pat Connaughton grab nine rebounds and you're like you know not that mikhail bridges is always a great rebounder and not to single him out but i thought jay crowder made a a more concerted effort to get on the glass in game four other guys are going to need to step up and mikhail bridges has to be one of them so, you know, we're back to, to CP3 and Bridges, and it's not to to harp on them. I actually think Booker is another guy who tends to be a good rebounder, and he was very, very quiet in the rest of the box score besides the points in Game 4. I think he had two assists and one rebound, or maybe the other way around. So it's, it's going to take everybody, and it's going to take a commitment to it. But like you said, this is in their control, and that's, again, it's it's like... I said the Suns were closer in their losses than I think the Bucks were in theirs. I also think that the problems that flared up for Milwaukee in games one and two were more inherent to how they play because of the roster that they have. Whereas the yes. Suns, the Suns are smaller, so that's a limitation. But other than that, a lot of the Suns' mistakes were beating themselves and uh, not not bringing the requisite focus and energy and hustle um, and physicality to to the floor. So. I, I don't know if that's making anybody feel better. Just play harder. It seems pretty simple, but I do think that it's it sometimes is the the answer. And especially when you hear Monty Williams and the rest of the team backing that up, it does kind of feel like that's where their mentality is. And I think when that's the case and you're at home, you're going to come out. I, I think we're going to see the team come out playing pretty, pretty hard in game five. If nothing else, you know, shots can be random. Stuff happens. But I think that they're going to come out with Monty's favorite buzzword, force, in Game 5, no matter what. And I, that's kind of where I, I, I want to leave it. I don't have a ton else to say. I think that that's where my mind is at heading into Game 5. You got anything else for us, though, David? No, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I don't want to seem like we're being too optimistic here because they've definitely had some things uh, go amiss in the last couple of games. And that's why the, the series is, is currently 2-2, but they worked all season to put themselves in this position. You know, we're certainly not the first people to say it, but uh, they've still got home court. We've got three games left here and two of them are in Phoenix and you just have to win two. Uh, game four felt very, very pivotal to the series. Game five feels even more pivotal now because if they can win that, they almost have a free shot in Milwaukee to try and finish it off in six and then still have the the card up, up their sleeve to come back home again and, and finish it off in seven, which is going to be extremely stressful uh, for everyone involved, I think. But yeah, they just got to get back to who they are and they know that 
And I'm sure that they'll be talking and practicing right on that. And I think they should just come out aggressive. You know, I'm starting to think of, you know, a couple of games against the Lakers where they just blew them off the court in the first quarter. I think in games five and six in that series, they did the same to Denver when they needed to close that one out. Uh, and game six, obviously, of the Clippers series as well, uh, even though that came down to the crunch a little bit more, they uh, just came out really aggressive and, and smacked the Clippers in the mouth. And that's what I'll be looking for and probably looking for it from some of these role players that we've discussed on this episode. You know, uh, I don't want to call DeAndre Ayton a role player, but, you know, he plays a very uh, important uh, specific role on this team. So to me, he is, you know, he's got to come out aggressive. Mikhail, who we've touched on a lot, has got to be aggressive. Jay's got to be aggressive again. All these other guys have got to follow, hopefully, what's going to be Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker's lead. And I think everything will just open up. Uh, probably the last thing I'd say is, you know, we've looked a lot about foul trouble on the Suns. Let's, you know, with that aggression, try and get the, the Bucks in foul trouble. And it doesn't even need to be the likes of Drew Holiday and Giannis to, to make them sit. You know, I'm looking at guys like Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, you know, if they get in foul trouble, there's nothing behind them on the bunk on, on the Bucks, you know, depth chart. So they could actually be really susceptible to a couple of those guys who are playing really important roles so far, uh, particularly away from home. If they get into foul trouble and we get into the the Jeff Teagues, uh, Bryn Forbes of the world, uh, Giannis's brother, if he's out there, you know, they'll all be good signs for the Suns if those guys are playing some rotation minutes in Game Five. All right. That will do it for us. Game five tomorrow for those of you listening. Um, big game, <laughs> to say the least. And I'm excited. I hope you all are too. Do not forget to enjoy these, as painful as some of them can be. He is the at the IV point play on Twitter. You should already be subscribed to his newsletter, which has the same name, except the four is spelled out. If you are not, though, go find him on Twitter. Click that subscribe button on his bio and read his work. David, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brennan. Always fun.